The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. In a world that can be challenging and at times unpredictable, it's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up. That by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host, Stephanie James, starts now. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. And we are taking the spark and we are igniting it. So I always invite the listening audience to take that moment, get in touch with that spark within you. A lot of times I invite people to pause and just take a deep breath, connecting to their heart center, connecting to the place where that spark lives within each one of us, the spark that nothing can blow out because it's our true essence. It may get covered up with circumstances or challenges we face, but we can excavate that spark. We can do the work to help ourselves really live that spark in the world. So just taking a moment, taking a deep breath, putting your hand on your heart and allowing yourself to feel that spark within you. I'm very excited today. I have a special guest with me, Helen Mossiman Kogan. And she is such an amazing human being. She helps people navigate the changing nature of being human at this time by helping them understand the mechanics of their consciousness. So she empowers her clients with the skills to navigate their lives and increase sovereignty. So excited to have you on the show, Helen. Thank you so much, Stephanie. A real pleasure to be here. So I, I was curious when I read the bio that you sent me about your beginnings, the beginnings really of, of you being in the world, if you will. Talk a little bit about where you come from. Wow. So I, my mom 
traveled with me pregnant. So they made a long trip from the Soviet Union through Israel. And from Israel, she was pregnant with me and then arrived in the UK. They were refugees back then in the 70s. And so I was born into the world in the middle of the Cold well, yeah, middle of the Cold War and adjusted to English life with kind of Soviet parents. So I was kind of always the outside of things. I was kind of the outside of their life uh, because I didn't know where they came from. And then looking at um, London life in, in the early 70s and, and adjusting to that with parents from different backgrounds. And then with my parents being Jewish, I was then at Catholic schools, surprisingly, as the only Catholic girl, in, sorry, the only Jewish girl in these Catholic schools. So again, I was this outsider kind of sitting on the edge um, of mass and church watching people. And that kind of shaped me, uh, definitely. And much later in my life, in we may go on to discuss it, but they went on to travel the world for 10 years. And I've traveled um, probably much more than that, too. But I'm accustomed to watching, watching people, watching life. I sometimes wonder if I'm the alien looking at people or if, um, you know, I, I do have this concept of us being watched and us watching the world and learning about ourselves. You know, through watching so many people, there's a lot of learning about oneself because we're not separate from what we watch. And so that that came in later years. The understanding that they're not separate to me, but finding the way that we're connecting. Beautiful. Yes. And so I know that you do this beautiful transformation work with people. What what got you interested in doing this work in consciousness? I'm I'm hearing like the ahas and the realization that wow, we really are all one. We're really all connected. And yet, how yeah. did you get there? Well, it was a very circuitous route. I didn't, I mean, despite the Judaism and Catholicism, I, I didn't really believe anything. It was a mystery to me what people described as faith and, and all the religious practices. I didn't understand it at all. Um, however, I was interested in consciousness. I barely knew what it meant, but there was something about the word that was calling me. And a similar, you know, later on, I'd go on to explore ayahuasca, and it's a similar thing with ayahuasca. Many people say they hear the word and, and it just resonates with them and it just calls them. But it was the same for me with consciousness. And so without any faith or uh, understanding of spirit, I went to neuroscience and I studied neuroscience to try and find the answers I was looking for. And I studied neuroscience for eight years. I started studying psychology, but none of those things um, really put the pieces together for me. I was, despite watching all these people and trying to understand life, I really had so many unanswered questions and my personal life, um, my physical health, at one point all started to deteriorate. And I knew I had to start looking in places I hadn't looked before and become very humble and uh, start, you know, I started asking questions, you know, what, what is it people believe? I would buy books and spirituality and go, okay, all of my judgments aside, let me see what's here. Let me see why so many people are interested in this. And um, that, of course, I say, of course, but it was catalyzed by my father's death because usually a death, the loss of a loved one, just open this portal. And, you know, you know, if you had unanswered questions before, <laughs> you have a gazillion more afterwards. And so that was, you could say metaphorically in a way, it was like he left me breadcrumbs, you know, you know, keep following, keep following. And that's what I continued to do for about 15, 20 years. I kept following the breadcrumbs until I would find my answers. And then, as I say, many years later, the answers started to come. And, and that was 
just an extraordinary experience when life starts to make sense. You've given up your biases, you've given up your judgments, you're open to everything, and then the pieces fall into place, and then you're just rewarded with really a sense of peace. To me, that's what, what comes. It's it's not even about any religious faction or any spiritual following. It's just a sense of peace that life makes sense. And in terms of the work I do, I call it things get finished off. They get completed. You don't have to keep worrying about them or thinking about them. And you can focus on why you're here and what you want to create what you want to put into the world. Because with all of that background noise, I found it was impossible to create a life. Um, you know, I could follow the, the checklist of what we're supposed to do here, but all of these unanswered questions to do with what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? Why is it all falling apart? So I, I had to answer those first to then start creating and start putting what I want to put into the world, which is sharing, I guess, those answers and what I had learned. What a beautiful journey. You know, and I do think that you're right. Death of a loved one, especially a parent, can really catapult us into that opening yeah. where we're yeah. really exploring things in a different way at a deeper level. And so it sounds like for you, yeah, that was the opening. And I love that yeah. you say, you know, he left you breadcrumbs. Yeah, I think that's what happens. I read it, I heard an interpretation that the after World War II, so many people died because we're always quantum entangled with our loved ones, that they, there is no cord cutting, that we're always with them and they're always with us. And so after World War II, that's what started to um, sow the seeds for what would, you know, become a spiritual awakening decades later. But we would, we would have these questions because of so many people that had died at that time. Yeah. Wow. So w was your father of that era? He was born just after the Second World War. Okay. But my, yeah, my grandfather was, yeah, both grandfathers were in that. Yeah. Well, so now let's fast forward a little bit in your journey. <laughs> you know, this, this beautiful work that you're doing, this mentoring, you're an author, you know, you're doing this beautiful work with people to really transform their lives and raise their own consciousness so that they're living at a heightened level. How did that open yeah. up or manifest for you? So neuroscience didn't really do it for me. I mean, it gave me gave me some skills. It gave me, you know, really good scientific approach. And then I was my first book was writing about my father's work, and my father's work was all about actors and actors acting realistically. So it's based on the 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 same the same lineage as Stanislavski who was creating realistic actors. And so my father was developing that and exploring how the actor has to think to create the characters who you know, think their characters' thoughts. So I have this background in, I suppose you could say, analysis, analysis of scripts, analysis of, of thinking. That was all there, very scientific, then together with the neuroscience. And then, as I mentioned, those plant medicines came into my life. At the time, I guess I was grieving and my, my body was going through a, a number of different problems. And so I started to look for alternative treatments and alternative therapies to help me with that. And as I started working with them, there was everything from acupuncture to Ayurveda to reflex, just the gamut. I've really <laughs> explored a lot. As I was going through that, I noticed my perception of reality was changing and I was seeing things that I hadn't seen before. And that started to fascinate me. 
And as I say on my website, I started to see how the backstage of life was working. That, you know, the interconnectivity, the, the energy, how energy works, how we're all connected, how different traumas get stuck in our field, past lives, um, birth events, death events, parallel life events. And I mean, it was fascinating. I mean, this is, I realized this is what I was here for. <laughs> and the more pieces I put together, the more teachers I worked with, the more of my own healing I went through, I realized how valuable it was to me I knew that my life wasn't worth living without it and then as I continued on my path I realized I had to share this with other people who were struggling as well with really this just awakening to who we thought we were and then to who we really are yes and you know that that is so beautiful one of the things that you and I had spoken about before the interview when we had spoken um last week was about this concept of where we're at in the world and how there's no mistake that we are here at this time for a certain reason. And there's really this ushering in, if you will, of consciousness right now on the planet. Can you speak a little bit more about that and the importance of this time? Yes, I think, you know, when you look at the broader picture, like before I spoke about World War II, in, in a number of my programs, I talk about the bigger picture and everything from the beginning of creation all the way into the future and hybrid races. And so there's large spectrums. But if you think about it, there are all of these waves. There have been so many preparatory waves for where we are. And, you know, I think we both talked about the events of our lives that prepared us to be where we are today. And then I see my clients come through and some of them are, you know, in their 20s and 30s. And I see oh, they're preparing for what's going to come after me. And, you know, it's much more than divine timing. It's this extraordinary plan, really. You get to see the plan and, I mean, it, the, the awe of it. And we understand, I, I think a large part of my work was, uh, a large part of my own process and I help people with others, is understanding that we have a soul purpose. We're here at a certain time, born to the precise parents in the precise situations we needed to be born into, to transform what we needed to transform, to get to where we needed to get to, to then pass on what we learned to the next generation coming through. We pass the baton on, evolution continues, and, you know, we play our part. And I think fighting that at any stage will cause, probably cause disease when we don't realize that's the flow that we have to not only go with the flow, we have to become the flow. And when we feel out of sorts, unbalances, because we've somehow gone off track or there's some pieces that we're missing from the story of why we're here and what we're supposed to do. I resonate with that so much. And, and want to ask you, what would you say is important if we want to get back into that flow? First thing I do is question anything that feels off. Even if it's it's a pain in a in a shoulder that you haven't acknowledged for years, or you think you know you'll leave it till tomorrow, or a dental appointment, or something that always bugs you about your partner, or something that the neighbor always does that really grates on you, those little things are all clues because they're showing you something's out of balance. It's either something that you need to do to correct, or it's something that's a reflection within yourself that also needs correcting or inquiring about to understand ourselves deeper. All of the answers are just in ourselves and each of our journeys are so unique that you can't really prescribe to anyone, this is the path. 
all you can do is give people the tools to find their path. And with my work is, is to help people see the messages that are around them all the time that are speaking to them. Like I often think, uh, I describe myself as a mentor, but really the universe is constantly mentoring us. Our bodies are mentoring us. They're saying, hey, have a look at this. Hey, that doesn't feel good to you, so why do you keep on doing it? And so it's all of those niggles, whether small or large, like I need to change my my bank. I, I don't like you know, how much they're charging me. And some people can put that off for months and years. And then the day they do it, they feel great. But why didn't I do that sooner? And it's the feeling that something's off. That, that indicates that we're um, we're out of alignment or something needs bringing into balance. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. When we're out of alignment with ourselves, with our higher selves, then we that's find right. that yeah. yeah, that pain or that irritation. So I'll just add. I, I think no. it's always challenging us to grow because you never really get there. You know, as soon as it gets comfortable and all balanced, something feels tight and you realize the higher self is, is wanting you to go to your next level and says, OK, that was OK for them. But for where you're going, you're going to have to do this and change this and learn this and understand this. And so it continues. And I think that's such an important message for people to hear. You know, As a psychotherapist, I hear that in my office all the time, like, when do we arrive? Like, when do we finally yeah. you know, get there? Do we get to quit having these challenges? And the answer I always say is, you know, as long as we're breathing, we're going to have lessons. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have this beautiful growth edge that we can lean into. Yeah. And there are going to be ways that we can expand and grow throughout our entire lives. And I think I shared with you too, at our last conversation that I had kind of gotten to this place as well last year, where I was like, I'm feeling amazing. Things are really good. Maybe life just goes like this for a while. And and like you, I had such a profound experience. My father passed away in December and it really opened this whole, I mean, I it wasn't, I, I don't like dark night of the soul as far as it wasn't a dark journey. It was actually a really beautiful journey, but it was also a really gut-wrenching journey. And I'm someone who has a very high I would say, you know, baseline of joy and happiness. And yet I, I felt very gutted at times, you know, it brought me to that place. And so I did, as you have talked about, I mean, I did the energetic work. I did the meditation work. I did work with my meditation teacher, taking it to those deeper levels of really healing on so many different planes and was in that place. And I think this is important for people to hear, you know, about six to seven months. It wasn't just like a quick fix and I thought about it or wrote my journal a little bit and I was fine. I mean, this, this is our soul's work. Yeah. In, in my approach, I, talk, I use the, um, the tool of holographic consciousness and holographic awareness, which really talks about how everything's interconnected. And what's fascinating being a, a, a mentor or client or facilitator, I realized I have to constantly be evolving for my students to be evolving. If I ever stop, that's the point when they stop because it's constantly connected. Uh, it's always connected. And so that th there is no really an end, you know, we're here to do this. <laughs> you know, this is what we came here for. But I do think our approach, we, we start looking at our beliefs about suffering. We look at our beliefs about healing. And some of those get cleaned up along the way. We learn how to hold ourselves and carry ourselves 
during those darker nights. We learn the tools to look after ourselves. We know now's the time for a bath. Now's the time to reach out for help. Now's the time that I need to be alone. Now's the time I need for a hug. You, you, you've learned that communication with yourself and you can carry yourself through those darker passages I found much better than in the early years when, you know, you know, you're pulling your hair out and it, it really feels like the depths of hell. Um, but then it, it gets, I think it does get easier. I agree. And, and I, and I, when we come back, I do want to talk to you. I'm very curious about this concept around suffering. And I also want to speak with you about the holographic work that you do and understanding okay. that. So so Great. much to talk about <laughs> and so thankful for all of you listeners that have joined us. We're going to be coming right back with Helen Mossyman Kogan, Igniting the Spark. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James, and we are igniting the spark with Helen Mossyman Kogan. And so excited to have her here on the show. Oh my goodness, this conversation is so up my alley, Helen. I love all of this so much. I could just talk to you for hours. And I and I want to make sure that we're talking today about this concept of suffering. Cuz this comes up a lot. And yes, I mean we all suffer. And I've said on the show before, I mean, one of, one of the quotes that's always really stuck with me was from Michael Singer. And he wrote the book Untethered Soul and then Living Untethered. And one of his quotes is, we suffer when we want this moment to be anything other than what it is. So it's this deep acceptance of the present moment. And that when we do that, then we are changing suffering, even if this moment is something unpleasant. And I guess even further than that, what I want to ask you about, I'm really curious about this. To me, it feels like an old worn out paradigm in some ways that we have to suffer in order to grow. So I'm really curious about your thoughts around that. Well, I think we just touched on an aspect of that where I said, when life gets uncomfortable, um, it's a marker that something needs adjusting so that we can grow. But we often think I'm suffering because I'm being punished. I'm suffering because life is unfair. I'm suffering because life is hard. Rather, it's asking us to reframe it and say, if you're suffering, it's telling you something, you know, life doesn't want us to suffer, but it does want us to grow. And the way it can tell us we need to be doing something differently is by going, you can't keep doing what you were doing because that's not helping you grow. So it's, I think, to me, I say to my clients, it's, it's understanding the place of suffering in our lives, that, that we have these things, whether or not our parents were religious or, or what their beliefs were about suffering, we have picked these things up just through culture um, and the collective consciousness that 
um, suffering people are special, suffering people are martyrs, suffering, you know, all, all of that. And that all needs to be cleaned to see, yes, suffering has its place. And the acceptance, as you, as you just said, is the acceptance that is, it is exactly as it needs to be. And if I can accept it, then what is it telling me I need to do? But often we don't get to what is it telling me I need to do because we're going, oh, the suffering is so bad and I can't bear it. And why am I always suffering and victim and victim and victim? Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's it's such a, it's a profound turning point because the suffering, when we, when we go into those negative beliefs, it takes us into victim. And each time we can transform that, we come out of being victim and we go, I'm changing this. So therefore I'm the creator, not the victim of what happens next. Yes. So the, these paradigm shifts that really take us from victim into a place of empowerment yeah. where we say, okay, this is showing up in my field or this is showing up in my body and I yeah. can do something about it now. I don't have to add to my suffering by also taking on this belief system around being punished or, you know, I deserve this or, you know, all the negative thoughts that can go with that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm hearing that, that it's, it's this beautiful changing the channel from tuning in to, oh my gosh, why is this happening to me to, oh, this is happening to me. This is uncomfortable. What can I do now? Yeah. That's, that's how I see it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's so wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that because I do think that that's one of the things that's so important for all of us is how do we transform our quote unquote suffering because suffering is a part of the human experience. It is. It's, it's to completely reframe it, redefine it, understand its place. And they say there's an elevated approach to suffering, which is when the suffering comes, we go, thank you. I know I'm about to grow. <laughs> and we embrace it and go, this is awful, but I know it's leading to something good. And I know it's leading to my next level. And, and some in the more you go through the waves of it, you start to recognize the signs here. It's coming. But I know it's because there's something else on the other side that, you know, that's that's really taking me to another dimension of myself. You know, when I do work with my both coaching clients and therapy clients, we do something called a core transformation process. And I love this. It just resonates with with what you were just talking about, because we have them embrace a part of them, and it might be the part that's scared, or it might be the part that experiences a lot of anxiety or whatever that wounded part is. And we actually say, welcome that part in. We have them do this beautiful transformation process where they're like so grateful that that part showed up, understanding where it's quote unquote living in their body, where it's at. And then it's like befriending that part and knowing that it actually has a positive outcome for you. It wants something very positive for you. And yet the way that it's showing up isn't serving you. So it's how do we do that transformational process? I really, like you said, I love that. When you, when you were saying that, I was like, oh my gosh, I love that. Because it is, it's welcoming it in and thanking it for showing up because it has information to share with us. And at a very deep level, and when it, when it says core transformation process, it's because it's to help the person go through the process to get to what's underneath it, which there, there's these, you know, core states, which, which are love and oneness. And that- And the liberation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
I mean, I think as much as the, the process, the journey, the self-inquiry, it's challenging at times. I mean, the thing that kept me going was the incredible states of experiences of liberation. I, I'm free from that. I know I haven't reached the end of the line, but I feel so much better than I felt before. And if I had to go through that to get to this place, then I'll, I'll just keep on going because it's all I want more of. Beautiful. Yes. Love this. Well, and let's talk about one of the processes that you use, which is this holographic. I, I just want to know what, what this more about this, because it just sounds like such an important part of what you do. Well, I, I really think it's a very old concept, you know, as above, so below I am that I am all says that. And that's from thousands of years ago. And now um, quantum physicists are, are explaining more and more evidence, there's more and more evidence that re reality could all be one hologram. So I'm not so interested in the physics and I could go down there because I'm so much more interested in human experience and how to help people with transformation. But for me, as I said earlier, when I started waking up to more and more connections in life and across my life, I did start to see that everything was a hologram. Every part of my life was a fractal of me and I'm a fractal of the whole. And everyone, you know, eventually you don't see them as reflections of you. You see them as extensions of you. And you you embrace that it's all me. Sometimes people say, I don't know if it's my stuff or his stuff. And I go, at the end, it doesn't really matter. All that matters is do we just transform it? Because the more you do this journey, you realize we have stuff that's from our parents, that's from our lineage, that's from the collective, that's from the alien races, that's from... And, to get into whose is doesn't matter. It's just that we're all one hologram that's completely interconnected. And what what I help people see is how the mechanics of that work. Um, I, I, I run, um, there's a free five-part course that you can sign up to on my website that will take you into more detail, including the, the, the physics behind this. But I start off by explaining when I was young, I remember lots of people saying, well, of course that's the case, everything's connected. And people are always saying, oh yes, that's because everything's connected. But then they would behave in a way that was from the perspective of separation. And so that always felt strange to me. But the more you slow down and reflect, you will see how everything in our world, as I say, we're walking through the manifestation of our own consciousness. That's everything. Every interaction we have and every perspective we have on every event, it's just from our perspective. Someone else will have to see it completely differently and theirs is equally valid. And so the work is helping individuals with their own hologram, their own perspectives and perceptions of reality, seeing, for example, how if they have lack thinking, their bank account's low, but also their blood pressure's low, their moods are low, everything's low. And then you start to see that they have some affinity to low numbers or things happened in their life where they were classed into a, um, a low status. And then you realize, this is just one little fractal, just the word low and their relationship to low and how it now influences everything in their life. So there are shamanic processes, as you know, you can do, and we can explore that shamanically and clear up this kind of clogged up definition and why this importance has become so magnified, reduce that and then kind of ripples through their hologram and then their blood pressure can go up, their bank accounts can go up, their moods can go up. So it's seeing the interconnectivity and how you don't have to work across it, but just to find the core element and change the whole hologram. 
That is just so fascinating to me. I love this. For you personally, can you talk about a time where you found one of those fractals and how it changed things for you in your own life? Oh, mine has so much to do with suffering. Um, Jewish lineage is a lot of suffering, suffering about suffering. I mean, it's, it happens all the time. Um, I even fight it with my cats. There'll be days that my cats are demanding and I think, why are you so demanding? And then I see that I'm being demanding on myself. I, it, it, and then the cat's behavior will change once I've transformed it in myself. I can see it across the garden and the kitchen when things start going off. The plants, we had the year when um, the plants all were dying, the flowers weren't coming into bloom. And you just see that it's not just metaphor because metaphor implies it's a symbol of, but no, it's, it's an extension of, it is you. And all in all of my relationships, you're always working just with the reflections that the other person brings. I mean, re relationships is, is such a deep area because it's one thing to go through things ourselves and to have our aha moments. And then it's to interact with another person and understand why they're in there, who they're in our lives and what they bring to us. Especially because so much of this process, I, I think, is moving from dependency in all areas of our lives and moving into greater awareness. And it's really everything is about growth. As we were touching on earlier on this call, suffering is about growth. Relationships are about growth. And so we have to clear up where are where we've had distortions in in our relationships for them to evolve and distortion our perspective of relationships i'm not sure i answered your question there well well um, you did in the you know even yeah. even what you just said though about the cats and the garden i mean it's it's yeah. so interesting because we think not i'm using we people think um there are people that think that it's all outside of us you know, and so that I don't have anything to do with all of a sudden the plants in my house dying. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden yeah. I, I have nothing mm -hmm. to do with maybe this, you know, I, I trip over something and hit my head, you know, yeah, and yeah. I, and I, and I think that there is some importance, a lot of importance, of course, to, to stopping and going, oh, I'm the one that is responsible for all this that I'm seeing manifest yeah. in the world. And it's not these things are happening to me. Also without judgment, because some people think, oh, that's my reflection, so I must have done something bad. It, it, it's just very neutral. I mean, a, a great example is I have a number of clients and I will see how there are similar themes across everyone and they'll be, it was showing up or from a certain angle in my own life. It's it's all always connected. And so the consultants that I train, it's to help them to spot what the clients are reflecting back. And you're simultaneously working on whatever the theme is, but I'll work on it on how it shows up in my life. And then I'll see if there's change for things, always change in the client. This goes back to what I said earlier about unless I'm transforming, they can't be transforming. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so it's always yeah. listening to the clues. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Always listening to the clues and finding my fractal of what they're talking about. Absolutely. And how many times have you had a client in your office and you're, you're like, oh my gosh, their exact thing that they're talking about is actually something that's going on in my own life right now. Right. And it's, yeah. it's like that reflective mirror. Yes. And I do, I agree. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It can either be right now or some others can be, because some of my clients are younger, they're exact scenarios from my past. 
I attract the clients because it's resonance, right? It's, it's not by chance. It's resonance. And the clients that I train, the cl- when they tell me about the clients that they have, I see, wow, they're so specific to you. They would be your clients, but they wouldn't be my clients because there are some angles that are specific to you. It, it's fascinating and wonderful. And I mean, it's, 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 I suppose it's love, really. Connection is love. Mm. And that's why I encourage. That's why I encourage people to do this work. Although holographic consciousness sounds maybe quite sterile or clinical, it's really about interconnectivity. And the more we can see interconnectivity, it must mean that we're becoming more connected. And then the more connected we are, then that's love. Yes, <laughs> I, I could not agree more. And and I feel like I have known that for the last seventeen years. I got very, very clear that that was my mission to bring as much love and healing into the world as possible through as many mediums as I could. And, yeah. you know, it sounds like for you as well, that this beautiful conduit that we all are, you continue. And I think this is the important piece because again, people think, well, I'm good. I'm in a coast. And the thing is, if we really truly are these conduits for bringing as much love and healing into the world as possible through us and as us, we got to clear out the cobwebs as they show up. And it's ongoing. I mean, as much as we clean the house, it's, you know, the house is an extension of us. So we regularly have to maintain it. And this goes back to, again, what we said earlier at the beginning, the first time you wake up and you see how dirty it is or how much you've been hoarding is the heavy lifting work of getting it all out. And then there's the much more gentle maintenance just to keep it going. Every now and then we redecorate, move the furniture around. But it's it's very similar. It's, it's ongoing. There's nothing you can say it's done. And now with this technological revolution and great advancements, there's so many things to keep upgrading and updating. And that's similarly reflective of our own journeys we're constantly upgrading and updating. Well, and so this is really kind of a, you know, left field question maybe for you, but I'm really curious, how do you see us interfacing what we're doing with, let's say AI and higher technologies? Where do you, where does AI have a place in all of this or does it? I think it supports us. I think we, we have to be aware of how we use it. And thankfully at this time, we're becoming more aware, more mindful, more conscious of everything that we're doing. And of course, many people are alerting us to what could happen with AI. But I think there are a number of stages with it. One, it's supporting and helping us. And I think it will evolve to representing our higher selves. There'll be a version that's purely mechanical that assists us, help me do this, and it helps us do that. And it's just supportive in that way. But I think that's how it will evolve. I love I'm not scared that. of it. I'm, I'm, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a higher consciousness. It can evolve. We're not there yet. But I think that's how it can work with us. And it's going to amaze us. Yeah. It's fear. If ever there's a fear, then I know something's off track, like we were talking earlier. Yes. It's uncomfortable. If there's a fear, then then I think, no, that's not what the universe is. It's not based on fear, it's based on love. So then love, how would this evolve? And I look at whatever fears I might have, although I don't have any technology. And and I think that's how it's going to, to, to support us in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I just think that that's such an interesting question and I haven't asked it on the show before. So I appreciate and really value your viewpoint on that. I also am curious for you, what's ahead? What are you looking forward to? What, What is the future holding for you right now? 
Wow. So uh, training, I mean, I work with clients and train them to be consultants, which I love. I love explaining what I do, like the backstage of mentoring process. Like this is it from this side and this is how I see it. And this is, these are the different tools you can use to work with your clients. I, I really enjoy that. I have um, more books coming out. I have a tarot journal coming out, which will help people to use the tarot as a um, self-development process that they can use and reflect on. So they're like add-ons to the courses. And further down the line, I'm also halfway through um, some fiction writing, my first bit of fiction writing. So there's been a lot of non-fiction and trying to explain this scientifically and defend why I do what I do. And then after I got tired of that and thought I really want to turn my hand to some, some kind of more creative projects. And I've recently, well, four years ago, moved to Switzerland. So it's bringing some of that work here, meeting the, the clients from in, in this part of the world, more retreats. Yeah, just keep evolving what I do. Um, shining the light, shining the beacon. If you're interested, it's all available here. And I, I'm super excited to support people through their process. I was in the deep and I will do anything to help others that are going through it and, and need some help along the way. So beautiful. Well, tell people, Helen, how can they find you? So there are two main websites. My personal website is Helen Mossiman kogan.com or there is the white rabbit reveals.com and on both of those websites you'll find a link to the free course what is holographic transformation so if you didn't understand what i was saying that will break it down and take you through why i do what i do and what it is that i do and i, I that's the main way otherwise you google me and you'll find me You'll find links to me. You can have a, a free potential client call. We can discuss the best way forward. And then I have other consultants that I can recommend as well. Beautiful. And so also, how do people, if, if you would tell them the name of your latest book and how they can find it? Well, the recent publication was The Little Book of Self-Inquiry, Ancient Keys for a Modern Age. And that covers a, a lot of what we were talking about, about the changing nature of personal transformation, what the new age has brought in, our approach to uh, exploring ourselves, growing, and more about the white rabbit reveals and why I do what I do. The, why I use ancient systems like the tarot, the runes, chakras, all those different frameworks to, to, to give people a path through what otherwise is pretty much a soup. You know, consciousness is, you know, it's really a soup. So a lot of the work I do is to give people a structured framework to find their way through it. How beautiful. You're also dropping breadcrumbs for others. Yeah, yes. <laughs> oh, very nice. Thank you very much. Yes, yeah. I love that. So Helen, thank you so much for, for such a wonderful interview and for this really wonderful time with you. If you had to leave the audience with an essential message, what would you say? If you can imagine it, it's possible. Yes. Helen, thank you so much for being here. It was so wonderful to have you here on Igniting the Spark. It was Spark. a real honor. Real honor, Stephanie. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Igniting the Spark with Stephanie James. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe and receive every episode. For more information about this show, my books, films, and events, Go to stephaniejames.world and ignite your best life.
Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.